this month, Fate's Warning will release their new album, Long Day, Good Night, via Metal Blade Records. Fate's Warning have been a formidable presence in progressive metal for more than 35 years, helping to shape and drive the genre without ever compromising their integrity or losing any relevance. They return in 2020 with Long Day, Good Night, the most epic and longest album of their story career. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash fates warning. Once again, Long Day, Good Night, the new album from Fates Warning. Pre-order it now, metalblade.com slash fates warning. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... Sylvia, not Gooch. Not... Sylvia. Not, not Gooch. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's the Sylvia. And... Also not Gooch. Jocelyn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, sharp like a sharp knife. Again, not Gooch. Not Gooch. Not Gooch. Hashtag Brand- not Gooch. And you guys can follow Brandon, the other sidekick main co-host. Yeah. Main. Main. I'm just giving him that main. Not Gooch. At your buddy Gooch, Instagram and Twitter, guys. If you want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, we are here to celebrate the new live record, Lost in the Sound of Separation Live. If you guys go to Under Oath Observatory and check it out, you can pick up the video or the live recording, guys, but it is out right now. And we're going to talk about that much more in the interview. But before we do that, me and Chris, Chris was the first... uh, Guy I've ever interviewed on Friday the 13th. So that's Ooh. kind of the, the main thing we talk about in our interview. Spooky. And we kind of go into horror movies. And one of the things I was going to ask you guys is that for me as a huge horror movie fan, we we discussed, because I'm showing my children now horror movies, We've dis- we were discussing what horror movies do you feel you were too young to see when you saw it and did it scar you? Sylvia, go. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, stop. <laughs> you swear? If we're going to go that route, Black Hole Sun. <laughs> oh, that's what? Oh, dude. Let me tell no, you. I love Black, Black Hole Sun. No, that scary, music video, would I would literally run out of the room when it came on. That's what got me into grunge. I was like grunge. six or seven wow. when it came out. You know, so I was I a child. I can't think of a music video that scared me. <laughs> Nirvana's yeah, uh, Heart Shaped Box. That one kind of freaked me out, but I love the song. I adore the song, but the video... Oh, it was a beautiful video. It's beautiful it's video. Scary though, yeah. yeah. Oh man. It's I have to there's gotta be like a death metal video that I saw. As a you kid. know what's funny is remember. death metal videos never scared me. No, it was well, always, always stuff like, like they're cheap. They're always like in a you know like, they're in like a warehouse and yeah, there's like a strobe yeah. light. You know, like <laughs> I feel like <laughs> the Soundgarden video freaked me out because it was just tweaked just a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. the mouths are too big and the eyes were too big. Do you remember the, the little girl like spitting out the um yes. the, or drooling out the, the ice cream? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like dead straight looking at you looking no. at you in the eye. Yeah, I wow. feel like that's right nightmares. Anyways, but music but, videos, uh, you guys. You, you but Michael Jackson thriller, thriller. Tell me, uh, the zombies. It that was, was it. it was ma- basically it. the zombies and how they were walking, but also how they were dancing. Everything looked dead. I don't know. To this day, it still kind of freaks me out. I could watch it now, wow. 
but it still freaks me out. It's because it's got that. Wow, that see this now. I feel like a bad dad because I am showing people much worse than Michael Jackson. <laughs> but also Chucky. Chuck. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Chucky was also like a yeah. the trigger for me. I didn't like that. I remember. I think after I, I might have watched like five minutes of it, and my brother sent me to my room because he knew that I was scared. Mm-hmm. But even like those in, within those five minutes, I remember when I went to sleep later that night, I would like look over like little corners and be like, "Oh my god, there's Chucky." Yeah, I, I do have a bad dad story with Briscoe, and I think I did tell it on this show. Is that I was watching Ash versus the Evil Dead, and I fell asleep, and then he came into the room, and it was just playing because it was on DVD. Yeah, you know? and um, like he like tapped me and woke me up, and then there was a scene where a girl rips a guy's head off with his uh, spine. And oh. like, and he's like. Three and a half or four, and I'm like, oh, close your eyes, and he, dude, I mean, he completely. Oh, he scarred. It was bad. Yeah, he's scarred. He's gonna remember that when he's like 16. So now I always turn (laughs) off movies before I go to bed or before I try to go to sleep. And like I said, it was the middle of night. I think, if I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I think he wet the bed. All right, but he did. He was three. (laughs) Reason. I like how he's like. I don't want to throw him under the bus. I don't want to embarrass him to the toddler. He's five right now, and he'll still say no evil dead. Like he'll still say no evil dead because he'll see the. I have an army of darkness poster. He'll be like, dude. So it's like, wow. Yeah, that was a bad one for me as a dad. For me as a uh, person watching movies, uh-huh. I the movie, and this might be a little out of your guys' wheelhouse, there was a film called Night of the Demons that my dad let my brother rent. My brother was a year older. How than funny, because mine's Demon Night. Oh, wow. Okay, Demon Night's pretty raw, too. But not For a, a child? Yeah, yes. it's raw. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Night of the Demons, there's a scene where Linnea Quigley, who played Trash in Return of the Living Dead, she's yeah. a scream queen. I just, just babe. Queen. Right? And so... She is a demon, and she puts lipstick on her lips, and then she takes the lipstick and puts it, she's topless at the time, and puts the lipstick through her nipple, and it disappears. Ah! Now, I know people that have seen this movie all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but as a child, that scarred me and and haunted me. Yeah, that's a really specifically weird... And so anytime, anytime I talk to people that are my age bracket, I'm like, you ever seen Night and Demons? And they always bring up that scene mm-hmm. where she puts the lipstick in her nipple. And I'm like, dude, I saw that when I was like eight. And I remember we went to the video store, like, because there was a thing called video time out here. And my brother was, like I said, I think he was 10. I was like eight or nine. I was, dude, I wasn't 10 yet. And my brother's like, runs up to my dad, who my dad's foreign. He doesn't really care about mm-hmm. ratings. <laughs> systems like that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah whatever, you're fine. whatever you want to watch is fine. We see worse on the streets back and, home. And my, my brother brought him Frankenhooker. And I'm like, no, we can't. Because I just, I'm like, like I don't want to see Even in the title, Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker, right? And no, I, I was almost refusing. I almost cried in the store. Because you like, were a child and you this. thought that every scary movie had lipstick nipples in it. lipstick nipples here, right? And so, <laughs> my brother won the battle we go home my dad you know he's like don't be a sissy sissy was a word sure. that was always used uh, you know don't be a sissy alright fine we'll watch Frankenhooker it's probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time nothing too graphic there is like a, a, a prostitute's head blowing up but it's so cinematically funny and then like it's in slow motion and it knocks a guy out it's like that oh, okay. so, so that so one didn't comical. scar me but I just remember because of Night of the Demons Frankenhooker scared the shit out of me so movie wise I got you beat on Thriller, Sylvia. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Demon Knight's pretty bad. Demon Knight is bad, and I'll tell you something right now. How old were you when you saw Demon Knight? N- Ten. 
Okay, yeah. All, you guys all, are all super badass. Did you, saw, see, did you ever see? No, movie? I can't do horror movies only because I have such an active imagination oh, that I, yeah. And that's the problem for me. I grew up in a rural town. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like in my, like when I saw Demon Knight, I was sleeping over at a friend's house. She lived in a trailer in the middle of like 20 acres in the middle of nowhere. Oh, see, fuck that. And Billy Zane ugh. takes a deep breath. Uh-huh. turns around and puts his fist through a cop's head and uh, the brains fly in your face. Uh, uh. And it was it was one of the and I was like 14 or 15 when I saw this and I'll never forget that scene. He's cuz the cops are like, you know, what's in this key if you guys haven't seen Demonite and he knocks this guy's out and then they rip off CCH Pounder's hand. That movie's a shit show, man. It's it, violent. It's, it's great. It, I love it. Demon Knight's awesome. But for a 10-year-old but who's a 10-year-old, sleeping away from her mother for the like first, first time, first age time. <laughs> Dude. It was very, and I saw that, and then I like immediately was addicted to the adrenaline rush of being the scared. As much as I didn't want to be scared, and I yeah. was traumatized by it, then I then I snuck Scream, and I watched Scream, and then, Scream was also another one that kind of freaked me out as a freaked, kid. And again, it's like more of the rural. You're out in the middle of nowhere. Somebody can get you. No one yeah. can hear you scream. And I'm living in a rural, and it's like all all those movies compounded. Yeah, really, just like made me i'm so afraid of being home alone i hate being home alone i hate being home alone i oh, hate the man. dark i don't like either see of that's those the things. thing like it's but i hate the dark too i have to have a little nightlight do you have a nightlight i do have a yeah well it's great of I, course I, at I 31 it. years old i don't care <laughs> me too briscoe needs a nightlight because of the evil dead i'm just, it's my fault that's my uh, fault. i get it see. i need a light, nightlight because of demon night bro so <laughs> I, I get it i had a babysitter <laughs> for me and my brother and I, it's the same thing seven eight very young and she would come home with like a stack of horror movies because when she she my parents would probably or my my mom was working she got off at like two so she would watch these movies while we were sleeping and we would always see the covers and I remember uh, specifically Day of the Dead Phantasm two and so she we'd be like we want to see it, we want to see it as a kid she'd be like look can't show it to you but I'll put it in and I'll fast forward it and you can just watch it like that. So she'd okay. start fast forward. That was funny. She was like subliminally yeah. conditioning you so to be horrified. Watch. I would me- I would watch that Phantasm was considerate, 2. Though. And, but she's like, I'm not going to hit play. So you're just going to have to. And I remember watching Phantasm 2 and when the ball goes in somebody's head and like shoots out the, the, the muck, I did it in fast forward. And I'm like, I don't even understand what I just saw. Were you trying so hard not to blink? Oh, dude. <laughs> The fast forward horror movie for me and my brother was like one of our favorite things. And now she, we couldn't tell our parents. She was right. one of those babysitters. Oh. That's a bad babysitter. Don't yes. tell your parents, right? Oh, she's uh, a cool babysitter. Yeah, all babysitters cool. are like that. All babysitters are like that. All babysitters are like that. Yeah. Oh, man. You got to negotiate. It's like negotiating with little terrorists. It's like, yeah, have this candy. Don't if tell you your mom. If you guys babysitted my kids, would you do that? I mean, no. <laughs> uh, but that's because I'm a different person than that person, obviously. <laughs> but also because we know you. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's like, what hey, it hey, is. Hey, hey, oh, yeah. we, me and Briscoe, we watched uh, Evil Dead. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I watched it and fast forward. Yeah. We watched it fast forward. <laughs> that somehow <laughs> makes it better. <laughs> so I remember watching Children of the Corn. Like, I, that's crazy because I remember watching these fast forward. And when I, when I was old enough to actually rent these movies, I was excited. And I felt like I saw them before. I'm like, I already know what happens in Day of the Dead. That's funny because <laughs> another one of the ones I saw. It's all with the same uh, baby. It was babysitter too. It was a babysitter. It was my friend's older teenage sister would babysit me in summer vacation when my mom had to work. Yeah, and she would always show us crazy videos and stuff. She was the one who introduced me to Rob Zombie. Like they were like into all that stuff. And 
there's a Children of the Corn scene. I don't remember which one it is where the, he's on the scarecrow thing and his head comes up and you, his spine comes up out of his body. Uh-huh. And just like the uh, one that Briscoe's scared of. But that was another one I saw oh, when I was young. I, I have never lo- forgotten that scene. Just the head, like the spine oh, and the... Ugh! Yeah, it was Ash vs. Evil Dead season two. And like the daughter of the cop that's being a jerk, she turns into a deadite and she grabs the dad's head turns it and rips it out and the spine flies out <gasps> and i mean like he woke me up and he he saw that and it was Briscoe's like, like no. i think we no, talked about the show no. like, oh, dude i'm de- i can't i can't just leave horror movies on and take a nap it's not gonna well, at least he's not like trying to do those things hey, maybe you know? he'll become no. a chiro- chiropractor you don't know <laughs> but um just yesterday he found a plastic knife on the ground and he has an angry board plush doll and he's like i'm gonna cut it in half i'm gonna cut it i'm like oh, oh, oh boy oh, you guys are all scared of. <laughs> like, don't cut the, don't cut the angry bird in half oh buddy <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> but I mean, were there other movies that scarred you? Because it wasn't just horror movies for me. Yes. Any? Okay, give me something because you got the music video. But well, what other movies scarred you? So many movies scarred me, like action movies or whatever. I, I have a dumb one, but go ahead. I mean, I feel like I was scarred by this is dumb and sounds cliche, but I feel like I was scarred by '90s teen romantic comedies. Okay. Did you have like an, ex- like an expectation? That's <laughs> not cliche. I know. Well, I mean, well, I did like, you did you have like uh, like no expectations I just, I or feel anything like, like that? I always I was just always trying to fuck, and I was like a teenager. <laughs> like, can't hardly wait. Yeah, I was like just trying more. to fuck, like, and I would I'd never fuck before. I literally have talked about this so much because I I am fascinated by this like three years of my life when puberty really hit between like fourteen and seventeen, where I was like, I gotta fuck, man. All these movies say I gotta fuck. No. Everybody else. Says I got yeah. I got a fuck and like I literally was like so singularly focused and I thought I was like in love with this boy mm-hmm. he took my virginity and then I never wanted to see him again I thought all the it movies were telling me, me the opposite like only have sex with the person that you want to marry that's what I, I thought movies were telling me well, I what, thought, movies were what movies were you watching, were you watching? Uh, dude, I like, can't hardly wait <laughs> but he's 10 years older than us oh. years older, so we were like American Pie yeah. you know we, oh, were, okay. we were in middle school when oh, American, American Pie came Pie out was, American Pie was high school for American me. Pie yeah. we, road trip uh, Euro trip but their behavior was not appealing to me like their behavior was like pathetic I don't know. It looked pretty fun. Oh, it did? Well, because you were a little bit older. It was like pathetic. Oh, Oh, maybe I was. was, Yeah. Because you were a little older, we were kind of like going into our And also, I'm a girl, so I thought Stifler was hot. I had a poster of him in my room. Wow. Okay. Stifler was... Sean Williams. uh, Sean Williams. No, he's hot. He's very hot. I know. I'm not saying he wasn't hot. I'm saying his character was... It doesn't matter. I'd still fuck that guy. <laughs> I see the difference. I'm not trying to open a business with him, Pete. I just want to <laughs> just, just taste that that dick. There is uh there is the tasting of the dick. Maybe this is less to do with uh, the movies I watched and more to do with me uh, as a person. But I feel I genuinely feel like watching all those nineties teen sex comedies really turned me in into like a little nympho. Because they were fun. I I, I mean I could see that. I, I was scarred by like a drama. Called The Perfect World with Kevin Costner and Clint Eastwood. I don't know if anybody ever saw that. It's no. probably not that huge of a movie, but at the end, there is a someone. I'm not going to ruin the movie, but there is a death that I mean, I don't think I cry. I cried all night. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I was just like I couldn't accept it. I watched it with my father. It wasn't like a hard R movie, but it was an R movie. And this movie, A Perfect World. When I see the cover, it's just like 
Kevin Costner and a kid with a painting and then a little head of Clint Eastwood. When I see the cover, I get like clumped Choked in my up, I'm yeah. Like, oh, 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 see. Movie, oh, perfect world. <laughs> see, mine, mine would be, uh, I got introduced to death twice in movies. So it was Land Before Time. Oh. The very first one. We're going to go Lion King, aren't we? We are gonna go Lion King. Mufasa's Lion King. death is so traumatic. That was a rough one, and I was like thirteen. I Four. was I was five. Oh, was it ninety four, ninety five? Yeah. So I was like five six. Yeah. And I remember watching the VHS, and when Mufasa's death scene came on, and you know Simba's trying to like wake him up. Oh, dude, I was like, oh my god, my parents are gonna die one day, <laughs> bro. Here's oh. the wildest shit: is that neurologists have figured out that children have the same capacity to feel emotion as adults, meaning our capacity, the the amount of what we feel, is the same. Our whole life. I remember from, at from five. when we're born, we just have less of a capacity to understand or interpret it. Yeah, I can f- remember the feeling in my chest of the realization when I realized Mufasa wasn't going to get up. Right, I, it, it was strong. I remember because I had never experienced real. This was my. I mean, it was it was like my dad died. It was like well, yeah, devastating. I think, I think the Lion King introduced death to a lot of kids. There's you know? there's some like tear kink or some crying kink at Disney or something where they feel maybe like, like there's yeah. they have like secret cameras or something and they just like to see kids cry. I don't know what the fuck it. But every movie like Big Hero Six, Baymax. It, it, he, like every thi- every movie I yeah. love from Disney there are adults, is because they emotionally torture me. The, the, there are adults that are doing this like on purpose because they want to make it like I think really really good and I think kids won't pick up on it but like I'm watching like my son Dio you know he'll watch Baby First TV mm-hmm. like sometimes we'll put that on and there's like these three like mouse that bounce around and they have these blocks with like just letters on them right mm-hmm. and then I look up there and the letters are sure enough not spelled in the order, but you have a U over here, then an F, then a C. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh why, why my gosh. And that's all that they're playing with is the F U C. And um, I'm like, all right, see, adults are just like, let's see if we can get this. If see, why did they put a dick on the priest and the little mermaid? And you wonder why it turned that. out to be that's a little mermaid. We, we actually, we actually slow mode that. We slow mode the, there was like, you know, all that weird Disney stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys did too. We slow mode that be like, wow. You know, well, because it's so blatantly gross. obvious. Gross. Well, in, in Lion King too, there was the word sex. Yeah, when like uh, Mufasa, or not Mufasa, Simba, like you know, just plops on the floor and then like something, yes. you know, blows in the wind or whatever, and says now, sex. Now, now Disney owns uh, everything and they run the world and they put sex in the clouds in kids' movies. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> they they probably run pedophile farms. Who fucking knows? Whoa, we're not saying that. Disney runs pedophile no, farms. No, I'm no, saying it. Jo- 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 Jocelyn's Come at me, Disney. <laughs> I don't know if you want them to go. I, I really don't. I really don't. I'm just kidding. I love you. You would lose. I purchase all of your products. Uh, I go yes, see. I, I, I can't afford tickets to Avengers. Disneyland, but when yeah. I can, I go. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Captain America shield hanging in my living room. I'm just kidding. I am a Disney stan. All right. Way to sell out. I did sell out. I'm sorry. You're going to stick to pedophile farms. Listen, I know. <laughs> listen, I know they're evil, and I know these pedophile farms exist. But they're so good. But they're so good, and they're so fun. And have you had the churros? You do yes. not know. I don't want to. Mm. So we'll just, we'll just end on the churros. Oh, now I, I want a churro. I think we end on the churros. That's all, we, we got real dark real fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. We started with nipples and lipstick, and now we're talking about Disney pedophile farms. We got to go. We got to go. I got to so. be honest, though. Just you describing that scene, I am now traumatized. 
Yeah. The nipstick oh, lip watch Night the of the lipstick. Demons. It's, it's the nipstick? The nipstick. I actually want to see the nipstick because I've never I, seen I it. I do own it on Blu-ray, so I can let you guys borrow it. You, okay. You know, you know all the dumb horror movies. Yeah. I've thrown some Sylvia's away. I like, love horror movies. I love <laughs> I love any stupid horror movie. My favorite horror movie is Trailer Park of Terror, and that's a really stupid one. Oh, I got a... Country gotta, superstar Trace Adkins plays the devil. Oh, God. The fact you said country superstar Trace Adkins I think it adds like a little you, spice. That is, that is probably in the trailer. It is in the trailer. <laughs> okay. It is. Is it, it is. really? Yeah. <laughs> it's you my just favorite. Got your mind and there's like, like and there's like a rockabilly zombie that just plays the bass the whole movie for no reason. It's great. I love it. Watch yeah. Night of the Demons. Not if you're seven or eight, but yeah, watch it. It's, Definitely, it's a, it's a great movie. <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to oh, this podcast. Oh, and Exorcist. The Exorcist. Too, you know, just to, Exorcist. Just to yeah. Keep it, not, Exorcist I didn't even I saw later in life. I didn't, I didn't even see the I whole movie. I saw Exorcist when I was nine. Yeah, I didn't see it as a kid. Like my brother was the one who saw when it like. More, it was like relatively new. And you know what? I that, saw, I saw like, was it, I think it was called Possessed with Leslie Nielsen, Linda Blair. Oh, the, the parody? Like, the parody. I saw that when and I was like And you didn't even 10. get it? And I didn't even get it. I thought it was the dumbest <laughs> movie. I'm like, what is this? And, and, and I, then you saw The Exorcist. I never, no, I saw it. I saw The Exorcist meant me it was like 18. It was like, it was like way. Yeah, my brother's about your age and he saw it probably like, I don't know, a couple of years after, obviously. And that one scarred him. And then I saw I saw bits and pieces of it. Fuck that. Yeah. My grandmother has it fucked that. My grandmother has never watched another scary movie since she watched The Exorcist. She my grandfather and her went to see it at the drive in movie theater mm. when it came out. And she has never watched another scary movie since. I did make uh, a William Friedkin who directed The Exorcist. I did make uh, Sylvia watch a uh, little film called Cruising, also directed <laughs> by William Friedkin, starring Al Pacino. That scar you? I, no, because I like Al Pacino. <laughs> is that what I think it is? Is it about gay oh, culture yeah, 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 in the yeah, 80s and 90s? Yeah, there's, two, there's an episode of our show earlier, that you should earlier. check out, Jocelyn, because that's what we did. Oh, I missed that episode. <laughs> You're that. right. I'm going to listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia Brett. It was actually really funny. We had a great I cannot time. I, I, it, was, it was a fun movie. It was a fun one. It so if you guys movie. haven't seen Cruising, check out the film. If you guys don't want to check out the film, check out our uh, Rise to a Fan episode uh, two-parter on Cruising. It is hilarious. Don't watch Land Before Time. But don't. D- no. dude, or The Lion King. Time I never saw. You never saw Isn't The Land Before yeah, Time? Yeah. There are so many sequels and I never saw them. There's I, like t- 10 sequels. It's like uh, so tragic on so many levels because like the girl who voiced the um, Petrie or whatever, the little uh-huh. dinosaur, her dad murdered her in real life. Oh shit. This is this is like yeah. some stuff I don't know that. Yeah. It's like, it's like it has the same kind of like, mist- the Land Before Time has the same kind of like curse curse mythology as like, like Poltergeist, Poltergeist kind of wow. does. <gasps> I'm gonna look that up. There's all kinds of weird shit about Land Before Time. There was another one I, I was I was reading about the other day that I was like, "What the fuck, bro?" Oh, I need it. But then it's just like, of course, yeah. People behind movies are also people. Oh yeah, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> that's true. You oh know? my god, <laughs> we always forget that. Like, oh yeah, they oh. also can murder and kill yeah. and die and they should, they do should. drugs. <laughs> that paycheck they get for that popular kids movie should change them morally. That's right, the way I, I agree. That's the way I, I see it. I agree. It, if you're going to cash in on children's wrong. joy, then you should cash. Probably, you should just put down your dildos and live your life pure. I mean, you can have your dildos in your hand at home, but <laughs> at home, when you're at home, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. All right, all right. At this point, at this point, it is time, guys. It is time. All right, guys. Real quick, let me segue away from the humor. I got to tell the fans something real important about progressive deathcore faction within the ruins today they're going to unleash their brand new video for black heart make sure you guys are searching it within the ruins black heart it is out today and the punishing track comes by the way of the band's impending full length of the same name within the ruins black heart is set for release via entertainment one e1 good fight music 
on November 27th, guys. Make sure you're checking out the video. Make sure you're pre-ordering the record, guys. Once again, Within the Ruins, Blackheart, out November 27th. And with that, guys. Here is my interview. We're talking Friday the 13th. We're talking horror movies. It's a great chat. Here's my interview with Christopher Dudley from Under Oath. You are my, uh, you're my first interview I've ever done on Friday the 13th, by the way. Oh, hell yeah. In history. It's, that's, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. I think it is a good sign. Are you a fan of the, uh, the film franchise, out of curiosity? I am. I've got, uh, I've got thoughts. Uh, but overall, yes. Okay. I, I would love to just, we're here, we're going to celebrate the live record. Don't worry about it, everybody. But I would love to discuss a little bit of Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. Um, what are you, let's, let's start with your thoughts on the film franchise. Like what, what, give me a question. Cause I just watched them. Um, Halloween, my lady never seen them. And so we went through the entire, Okay, she made it through nine. She didn't watch the last two. She didn't watch Jason X. Yeah, I put in Jason X, and she's okay. like, "Dude, enough." And I'm like, "Fine." Okay, so yeah, J- Jason X is that. I mean, it, it, by the time if you're watching him in a row, by the time you get to Jason X, it be dead body at that point, like very Michael Myers ish. You're just like, "All right, I get it. He's in space and stuff's crazy." And I know a lot of people who are like apologists for Jason X, like, "Oh, it's one of the best." horror films ever made blah 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 and like i don't know i honestly haven't seen it in probably over a decade um i saw that one you know quite a while ago and i just remember thinking it was hot garbage but you know i guess all all art is uh you know subjective and uh you know some people are into it i i like the series overall um you know because i like that basically right after the first one uh, they became very self-aware and it was basically just, all right, we're going to just get nuts and it, it, it's just going to be body count and it's going to be blood and, you know, we're not going to try to church it up. So I enjoy that. I think, I think that's fun. You know, I, I love horror as a genre in general, and I tend to lean more toward the side of, you know, the stuff that's going to make me think the stuff that's going to make me feel, but you know, there is something about just like, all right, how is he going to kill this? Oh, it's going to be cool. Let's watch it happen, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's And that was the thing is I was picking, I was like trying to pick a film franchise with the best sequels. Um, you know, mm. and, and, and Friday the 13th, to me, when I was thinking about El Hellraiser, Halloween, Texas Chains, I'm like, ah, as dumb as it's, or Nightmare on Elm Street, eh, there's an argument there. But I felt like yes. Friday the 13th was pretty much a strong one that you can go... The eight, the Paramount films. I always separate them because when Jason goes to hell, that's when New Line Cinema took over, and those last four, they just really are different. It's just completely different to me. That's, yes, you know. So I always so the the Paramount ones. I was like, we we got to go with this, and I already knew when we got to you know Jason takes Manhattan, she was going to be done. I knew that, but um, it was a lot of fun, man, for me to revisit them all because I haven't seen them in decades. And just between you and me, oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Jason X, there's no need, buddy. I uh, she she <laughs> gave up on it, but I just rewatched it all the way through. I saw it in the theater because I was I was excited for some reason, <laughs> and the feeling I had when I left the theater, I felt exactly the same when I rewatched it. And that was the only two times I've seen it in my life. But all the apologists, I don't know. Every, every, no, no, I, yeah. I, I back it. Like I, I also know quite a few people who are apologists for the uh, the second Blair Witch movie, um, the book Book of Shadows, which Just a lot. I, yeah. I think that's kind of like 
making like a, a comeback and and i guess the zeitgeist the horror zeitgeist if you will um i've seen it semi recently and i still just i just don't get it like i maybe it's because i am such a huge fan of the first one um you know i when it first came out i saw it opening night and it made such an impact on me and it was so good that when I went and saw the sequel, I was just like, wait, what's happening? Like, what? This isn't like they put the name on it. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're using the same basic uh, story idea. But like I was I was very let down. And then I watched it again semi recently. And I tried to look at it from a uh, a little bit more of an objective standpoint, trying to remove myself from how much I love the original. And it's still just even on its own. I just don't think it really held up. But, uh, you know, different strokes. Yeah, and I'm with you, but same thing. I rewatched that recently. It's funny. We, we've, we've watched the same movies, and exact same <laughs> mentality, because it's, people are bringing it out. Like, hey, Book of Shadows, and you're like, wait a second, what? So, it, the, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I think some of those people actually do love it, and then there's a lot of people that are like, man, there's a lot of people that hate this movie, so I'm going to come out and say I love it. Yeah, just to like stir the pot <laughs> and again it's like i can't hate it but it's bad the, the the theory that i have and this this hopefully doesn't sound like the old man in me but because practical effects uh are kind of out of the horror genre and we're living on cgi horror now um i feel like movies with practical effects are just so much cooler now to a new generation because they're so used to the splatter horror type things that um I don't know, like Ashra's Evil Dead, I enjoyed it very, very much, the series, but the horror effects in comparison to anything that they did, Army of Darkness or Evil Dead, is, is completely different. It just feels different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And I think that was especially apparent uh, back in specifically the mid to late 90s mm -hmm. when, uh, when specifically horror movies started to experiment with more CG stuff. And I always have this thing that I reference, which is 90s digital blood, where you had like you had like Blade, where a lot of the blood effects were CG. And they assumed that, uh, you know, people wouldn't be able to tell a difference. But it's like you, there were some of that, you know, it's not a horror movie, but in Mortal Kombat, mm -hmm. there was a good bit of that. Just basically when they were trying to do they were trying to push the limit of what they were able to do with the technology back then. I feel like it really like. To me, anyway, it stuck out, and I'm like, "Wait, what are you guys doing?" You know, and I, and I think that nowadays there is there's so much that is CG that you don't even realize. Like people will, you know, be able to point out bad CG, but there's so much good CG that you don't even realize. Whether it's um, you know just replacing backgrounds, uh, you know, taking out things in backgrounds, you know, doing doing something just a little a little off. Uh, you know, so I, in general, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a huge hater on CG stuff. I'm just like, man, if you can do it practically and it looks good, there's nothing better than that. I, I agree. I think, I think the mixture of practical and CG is the magic to it. And if you don't do that, then I, I feel like it looks like a cartoon. Uh, that's where it gets me. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, Jurassic Park is a great, mm example of that and if you you know if you watch it now like it still holds up and the thing that i think is interesting about that is that if you watch the behind the scenes stuff uh you know like a lot of the dvd extra like the, the making of things in jurassic park they had very uh 
hard rules on okay if a dinosaur is x amount away from the from the camera like x amount of feet you it, it's gonna have to it can be cg but if it's x amount and closer it needs to be practical and you know they had specific things with lighting and it wasn't like a man how do we figure out how to do this like spielberg was very adamant like okay like you know if it's that far okay then we can do cg and i i think it's funny that after that it wasn't just like kind of solved in a lot of ways where people are like okay if you're going to do like a you know a weird close-up thing you know you might want to do it practical but if it's something that's a little further back and you can hide the inconsistencies then it can be uh then it can be cg and i just keep going back to jurassic park and i'm like how come this still looks so good and so many people have done so many films since then that don't hold up to that it's a perfect that's a perfect example he mastered shadows and all those things where you wouldn't even notice and that was almost 30 years ago and that's a that's the part about it is that i remember um when i want to say jurassic world the first one I, i i know there was a couple sequels but I remember watching Jurassic World and being like, how does Jurassic Park look better? And it does. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, how is that possible? And this is what it is, is that the book that he wrote on uh, a cinematography's viewpoint of like, this is where it's going to be. But unfortunately, I think because of budgets and the way movies are made now, I think they're like, we'll figure it out later. And then they really in post mm-hmm. just figure it out later. And then they don't have any kind of like a uh, game plan. They're like, well, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got our deadline. We got to just put it out. Well, right. and yeah. And a lot of it is just budget too, where, mm-hmm. you know, practical stuff does cost a lot more and, um, you know, it takes a lot more time and, uh, there's not as much room for, you know, looking at something in an edit and then changing it later it's like okay well once it's in camera like that's all it is so you know there's a lot of reasons why you know that move has been made and they're not all bad it's just you know i don't know i could go on forever about that stuff i I never know absolutely but i think that is why book of shadows and uh friday the 13th like part six look amazing to people now that's my theory because mm-hmm. they're bad movies. Yes. <laughs> you know, so yes. There's, there's no, well, actually, Friday 13 Part 6 is probably my favorite um, hockey mask Jason one. So I'm not going to say that's a bad movie, but uh, to, <laughs> to me it is. I, I really think they finally nailed it with the, the comedy, and the, the, that was the one that they Jason lives, that they nail it. So I don't want to go too bad on that one. But, uh, dude, we I, this is the thing. I love talking about this stuff. It's so great. And I don't know if do you have like an October <laughs> thing where you just watch uh, horror movies or no? Man, I would love to, um, but you know, specifically this October, I just, I just really haven't had time to watch much stuff at all. Um, you know, I was, I was realizing that since, uh, like all this COVID stuff has, has started, I think I've watched less than 10 movies just because the hours that I'm spending in the studio, I tend to, but by the, by the end of the night, I'm just like toast and I want to just like put on the office and fall asleep. Um, and that's usually what ends up happening. So I would love to do the thing. Um, Cause I know uh, I subscribe to this service called shutter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, a, you know, a horror film subscriptions are amazing, but they have like a 61 days of Halloween thing where <laughs> like they do it for like two months or it's like every day there's another movie you know, and people watch, uh, as a group and, you know, it's a really cool thing. I'd love to be able to partake in something like that. I just, you know, with my schedule, I just, 
I can't, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining, but it's that, that, that's always an idea that's in my head. I'm like, yeah, that would be great. And then it just never happens. Oh man. I'm, I'm a family man myself. And yes, I, uh, it, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, the, the priority skip. Uh, we're, we're, uh, unfortunately my entertainment should be, don't get this wrong. Don't, don't take this wrong way. Should be the last in line of the order of importance. And usually when it gets there, yeah, I'll, I'll start something, but I'll fall asleep like 10 minutes in, dude. It's almost like a waste of time. Yeah, but <laughs> but what's great is once your kids get to a certain age, mm-hmm. you can start watching films with them that they enjoy and you enjoy. Like, I've been experiencing that a good bit because my, you know, my kids are 10 and 11. So, um, you know, they're at an age where they're, you know, they're... They're old enough to watch some stuff that I wasn't okay with, you know, you know, a few years ago, you know, they can't watch obviously everything, but I have this whole list of movies that I'm going through when we're having movie nights and, you know, watching a new one, you know, however often I'm able and it's like a new, okay, dad says it's okay to watch this movie sort of thing, Um, you know, and they're getting more into, you know, like in some scarier stuff and, you know, reintroducing them to some classic movies and stuff, but it's like, I feel like I enjoy it as much, if not more than they do, because I'm like, man, you're getting to see like this best movie ever for the first time. And there hasn't been one yet that we've watched that they haven't loved. So it's, it's been really, really cool. Nice. No, that's the age that that's a, that's a great question. Is that what is the age? Like, cause I have a 10 year old stepson. Oh, he just turned 11. I'm sorry. That's not, I have an 11 year old stepson now, but when he was 10, I was like, all right, what am I allowed to show him and i started with blood sport i'm like all right blood sport should be mm-hmm. safe right <laughs> it's karate there's a little bit of violence nothing crazy you know and uh watching the joy of how he was glued to that screen during that movie <laughs> i was like all right let's try predator like i i, I upped the ante yeah. really fast you know so but uh um, yeah see for for me predator would be a little, be a little it was Dude, well, it's I because I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, you've seen it probably uh, a little uh, closer to uh, now than I have, but like it's like violent as hell and it's awesome. But like I, I think about like when the guy gets his arm blown off and like you know, and that's one of the things that was great about that movie is a lot of really good practical gore effects and. You know, so, but, you know, and my, my oldest are girls. So, mm. you know, I, I think that's another thing where they, you know, they don't get down with, uh, you know, those type of action movies as much. So, you know, it's, it's probably a little different, but yeah. That, that line though. And no, I want you to know that Predator was way too much. And I didn't realize <laughs> that I didn't realize how, vi- like for some reason I'm like, that's ah, not that bad. And then the second, like you said, the arm gets blown off and, and I'm like, whoa, dude, like this is a far cry from blood sport. Like this is pretty bad. The guy, the guy's cutting his chest open with his own chest open with the knife. Yup. And then the next <laughs> movie in line was RoboCop and it went right back on the shelf. I'm like, no, oh, no, no, I put it on the shelf. Oh, I was like, no, yeah, I was no, like, dude, Robo-Cop I don't know where so I was bad. at. RoboCop two. No, but, I had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I had a, uh, a a similar like oh man moment because um, my both of my daughters because I I do you know a good bit of work on uh, you know horror films and you know I like horror films so so they they see me working on these things and they also see me watching they don't see but they know that I watch these movies I've got like you know horror movie posters up in my studio so they're always seeing that stuff and they're like yeah we want to watch something scary and I'm thinking like all right, the thing with a lot of horror movies is 
they're they're not it's not that they're scary it's that there's you know usually you know like gratuitous sex stuff mm-hmm. there's you know lots of violence like it's like over the top so i was trying to think like okay what is a scary movie that i can show them that's scary but there's not content in it that i would not want them to see and i thought of a quiet place because i was like that is it's a scary film but there's really nothing crazy in it so we watched it and after we got done watching it they were like they're like yeah that was really good but like we want to watch something like scary and i'm like that wasn't scary to you? Like, cause I know when I saw that in the theater, I was like tense as all hell. Mm-hmm. So, um, I put my thinking cap on and I was trying to think of like an actual horror movie that didn't have any of that stuff in it. And I thought of the conjuring and I hadn't seen the conjuring probably when it first came out on DVD, that was probably the last time I had seen it, but I looked up online to, cause there's these, uh, things on IMDb where you can see if, it, you know, profanity, mm-hmm. nudity, violence, drugs, all this stuff. And none of that stuff was in The Conjuring. And I was like, oh, yeah, The Conjuring is basically just a, a haunted house movie, um, but it's really, really well done. So I was like, all right, you know, we, we can watch this movie called The Conjuring. Not r- remembering the details of the plot. And like once it gets like toward three quarters of the way into the movie, you realize that you know, spoiler alert, but the, the house is haunted by the mom that used to live there who killed all of her kids. And like that, that like there's like an exorcism scene that's like super intense and like super bloody. And my girls were just, they were so scared. And my wife is watching it with us and she's looking at me like, are we allowing them to watch this? And like, at one point I was like, man, should we, should we turn this off? But then I was thinking, I don't want to turn it off just at the scary part. Like, I think it would probably be better to watch the whole thing and they can see at the end, like everybody turns out. Okay. And, um, you know, everybody's, everybody's fine. And the mom comes back and she's okay. Um, but so we ended up finishing it, but man, they were, (laughs) they slept with the light on that night and I felt so bad. I was like, I was like, I don't remember it being that crazy. Uh, but yeah, so I felt like a, like a bad dad for a night, but, I, I think that might be one of those that, uh, you know, years down the road, they look back on the like, oh, it was so cool. Dad, let me watch the concert. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. I go, give it time because I feel like my, yeah. my predator mess up, my predator mess up will be cool when he's 15. <laughs> right? He'll be yeah. like, that dude showed me predator. I'm like, okay. I, well, and yeah. like, and you got to think like, how old were you when you saw predator? Like I was like single digits when I saw predator for the first time. I, I know for a fact when RoboCop came out, I know for a fact. Now, uh, my parents are foreign, so I don't know if they understood the R-rated sick, but I watched it with my dad on vhs and i must have been eight years old or maybe seven i must have because it was like a new vhs rental i have this really vivid memory and the scene where the guy gets run over by the um the toxic waste and the car goes through him i didn't understand that i remember looking at my dad and being like what just happened there he melted you know like it made no sense to dude me. and that movie's <laughs> intense like it gets kind of like uh it gets kind of put into a category with like you know, just different action films in the eighties and like RoboCop would be on like, he would show up on like, you know, a Nickelodeon show just as RoboCop because him as a, as a figure is like, Oh, he's a hero. He's like really cool. But if you actually watch the films, like, you know, Paul Verhoeven doesn't, doesn't uh, pull any punches. And, you know, he, and apparently that almost had an X rating and they had to like tone down a little bit of the, 
the violence for it but yeah it's it's in, it's intense but yeah no you're gonna be you're gonna be the super cool dad in like 10 years when uh when he tells that story <laughs> when he talks about that but yeah dude and then that's funny because after after i didn't pull out total recall but i remember that i was like i gotta check this one out but like you said paul verhoven he doesn't pull any punches so right after i watched robocop by myself i'm like total recalls a no way you know like not even close because i don't remember the violence as a kid um yeah just, it's, it's weird it's, how that stuff just gets like locked out yeah blotted out yeah, yeah. it's such a crazy thing yeah. so, so anyway <laughs> we're scarred we, we are scarred but you know what it, it's i mean i don't know i hold on to my youth in in certain ways and i i love i mean still i love revisiting the uh the films that made me feel i guess that's the best way to put it because i can't I can't tell you the last time I watched a movie that scared me. It might have been Sinister. That one got me pretty good. Um, yeah, I remember. I was actually just talking about that the other day with a friend of mine. Um, and I was saying how when I went and saw, I mean, this is, I guess, over 10 years ago now. But I went and saw um, uh, the first Paranormal Activity in the theater, mm. like thinking it was just going to be like a, you know, a campy whatever. But like actually being like and i was just like man that doesn't really happen anymore like there's very few movies that i've seen where it's actually like frightening and uh yeah so that's you know i think that's just a thing where as you get older you know it's it's harder to happen because you're just you know you're more you're more aware and you're more you know I, I don't know. I we guess uh, yeah, a lot of it, right? And yeah, yeah. You're just like right, nothing's actually going to happen. There's there's nothing scary, but you know, it, I think it's good to hold on to a bit of that, uh, you know, that that feeling and be able to have that from time to time. And you know, that there there have been movies that I've watched since then that uh, you know have made me feel for sure, but you know, not not that often. A Quiet Place in the theater, it really got to me. And then uh, I rented it because oh, yeah. my wife didn't see it. And then I rented it. I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's so great. And she watched it. She's like, it was good. But that scared you? And I'm like, maybe the theater experience? I mean, like, yeah, you know. It, like, yeah, I feel like thing. the theater was probably way different. Yeah. And that's and that's something that I did kind of come to terms with. But everybody. we Dude, horror movies, Friday the 13th. Me and Chris, we had to talk about this for a little bit. I know you guys enjoyed it. Everybody out there is writing down movies they're going to watch. Don't show your kids RoboCop. That's common sense. My bad. I didn't do that. Predator, I did. We're literally just <laughs> rambling about movies. That's okay, though. But we are here to celebrate, man. Lost in the Sound of Separation live recordings. Guys, if you haven't, go to underoathobservatory.com. It's out right now. I want to talk to you guys. These happened back in July, but let, tell me about the observatory performances from Conception to completion tell me all about this journey for you guys oh wow uh long long story i guess but the i mean the gist of it is you know we were you know living through lockdown quarantine just like everyone else you know we had a uh a tour uh with slipknot that was supposed to happen uh last summer and that got canceled and we were, you know, just kind of looking toward the future and we're like, man, what is, you know, what is, uh, you know, playing live music going to be for the next year, how, however long it is, you know? And, um, you know, we had seen some bands uh, do some live streams and, uh, you know, there was nothing that we had seen that we were like, that's what we want to do. You know, it was, you know, we, we, we were seeing pieces of, things that we would want to do in these different, uh, you know, different early live streaming performances. But 
more so the thing that we were seeing is like, okay, this is something I think we can pull off the way that we want to. And a, a, a big thing for us was we, we didn't want to be playing on a stage facing a audience that is not there. Um, and that was initially like, that was why we didn't think about doing it sooner because we were just like, man, like that would be so awkward. Like, you know, we're just standing on a stage playing and there's no crowd and, you know, we're in this empty venue, blah, blah, blah. But then, um, we, uh, we called up, uh, our friends, Brandon and Joel, uh, who run a creative agency called tension division. And we were chatting with them about this idea. And we were just like, we want to do a live stream and we want to play music but we don't want it to be like awkward as all hell. Like we want to feel it when we're playing. We want to have people when they're watching it, feel it when we're playing. And how would we go about doing that? And we, you know, brainstormed with them and came up with this idea of, you know, us just playing in a big circle and, uh, you know, basically playing to each other and shooting it as if it's a music video uh, you know, not trying to hide the cameras, uh, you know, and just basically bust out a full performance. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of consideration that ha we knew we're gonna, was going to have to go into it because of COVID and, uh, you know, logistical things. And, you know, also us just having to, you know, relearn how to play, uh, you know, a bunch of songs that we hadn't played in a long time. Um, and so, you know, we came up with the, you know, the observatory idea and the idea that being that, you know, when we're living through this time that we're living in and specifically then when everybody was on like hard lockdown, you know, everything that everybody's experiencing is basically through a screen of some sort, you know, it's like you're either looking at your phone or you're looking at a TV and, you know, it's basically like you're getting these little windows into what's happening out in the world and our whole thing was like all right like what if we like created like a little window into what it is that under oath is doing at that point you know start it with a live stream performance but then like build it out from there and that's kind of where the genesis of the idea came in for the observatory um you know and we you know we've got plans in the future to uh to build that out and have it not just be you know it's it, it was never intended to just be you know a live stream performance um, but, uh, but yeah, and we, you know, worked really, really hard and, you know, got an amazing team of people together to work with us on it. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, the, the, the album that's out now, that, that was actually the first, uh, performance that we had done in, gosh, I mean, we had, we had played a show right around, uh, thanksgiving back in 2019 and that was the last time that we had played a show so for us it was uh super exciting but also like super nerve-wracking because we're just like holy crap we haven't played a show in like forever uh but i'm uh, i'm really stoked with how it turned out yeah dude it's i think it turned out fantastic now rehearsal wise like say when you guys rehearse before going on tour did this take more time uh for you guys to rehearse oh yes okay Oh yeah. Yeah. That. Lots and yeah, it was lots and lots of, uh, lots and lots of practice. Cause a, you know, we had to practice just the six of us. Um, well first it started with us practicing just by ourselves, you know, like, 
you know, sitting in our houses trying to relearn how to play how to play all these songs. Because you know, we did "Lost in the Sound of Separation" in full, and we also did "Define the Great Line" and "They're Only Chasing Safety" in full. And we had not played a lot of those songs. Some of them we had ne- never played. Um, there were I, there's at least one song in "Lost in the Sound of Separation" that we never played when it was released initially because uh, there was a tuning change in the song that back when we released it was not possible to do live. But now, you know, you've got, you know, different octave pedals and stuff that you can pull it off, but we couldn't do it then. So we just never played it. Um, So we're having to relearn all this stuff on our own. And then we got together for about a week straight and just ran through uh, Lost in the Sound of Separation, like, every little part you know making sure that we had everything perfect so that you know because we knew that there were going to be a lot of people watching and we didn't want the show to feel like the first show on a tour you know because there's something about if you see a band's opening night on their tour the the vibe on that stage versus if you see them halfway through the tour like when you're halfway through a tour you've got you know a lot of the stuff is just like in you you're feeling it, you know, you don't have to think so much about what it is you're playing. You're just like, you're able to kind of feel the music more. And that's what we wanted it to feel like. So, you know, all the rehearsal that we did was to to get those songs to be to a place to where we could just feel them and play them. Um, And then, you know, after we got uh, through with that, then it was on to, you know, practicing with the camera crew, practicing with, uh, you know, our lighting people and going through and saying, okay, like, you know, oh, there was this part of this song where the lights look like this, but we actually want them to like do this. So like we did that for days and days. Uh, so that was a lot of work and then all culminated into the, uh, the performance that's, uh, that's out now. Oh man. No, I, I, and that's the thing with the streaming shows is that you said it, a lot of it is, and I've been enjoying them all summer, so I'm not saying but anything negative, but it looks like we're hanging out in a rehearsal, just kind of like close up on a stage, and, and they're great and they're fun. But this was something very thought out, very planned. I think it's very special to the fans, uh, especially with the three albums you guys did in its entirety, which always adds to you know part of the joy. Now, for everybody, one more time, if you haven't had a chance, Lost in the Sound of Separation, the video download is available, the album is available, go to underoathobservatory.com, guys, and make sure you are picking that up. How is the follow-up to Erase Me going for you guys right now? It's sounding sick, and I'm so pumped, and I want to put it out and go on tour, but we can't. No, it's, uh, oh man, I am, I'm very, very pumped on it. Um, you know, full disclosure, you know, we, our plan initially was to hit the studio, try to hit the studio before the Slipknot tour last summer and have a song out on that tour and then probably put the record out in the fall. And, you know, we kind of had this whole thing lined up, uh, but then COVID came into the picture and we're realizing like, man, like, you know, we're, we're under no, like, uh, under no timetable to have to put this thing out. So we, we actually had a talk uh, a little while back and we're just like, man, you know, we could, you know, sit on these songs for a bit and like refine and, you know, come up with other ideas and, uh, you know, just kind of see if we 
push recording a little bit, you know, what, what could, you know, what could come from that. And honestly, it's been very fruitful because, you know, it, it inevitably happens whenever you record an album, not long after recording, you have an idea. You're just like, Oh man, like, I wish we would have done this thing. Cause that would have made it so much better. Or you hear somebody work on an idea. You're like, well, what is that? It's like, Oh, this thing, this thing I just came up with. And you're like, well, that would have been better than this song on the record. Like, I wish we could just go back and put that on the record instead. And that has happened multiple times. Um, you know, actually just today we were in our group chat and Tim had uh, written a thing and he had sent it in our group chat. And I was just like, Oh, this is, this might be my favorite idea that we have had yet. And, um, you know, we, we've got a lot of, uh, demos, you know, we got together and recorded a bunch of stuff and we're refining it. And, you know, we're just trying to figure out when the right time is to, uh, actually put them down and release a thing. And then, you know, who knows what's coming after that. There's, you know, there's talk of rolling all of that into, uh, the observatory and seeing what that looks like, uh, you know, potentially maybe the recording process, maybe, you know, playing new stuff, you know, we're, we're still figuring all of that out. Uh, but you know, we'll, we will figure it out. And, you know, the record is, uh, coming along mighty fine and I'm daggum pumped on it. Oh, it's exciting, 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 man. And that's the great thing. And I do think a lot of bands, cause there's no deadlines as you were mentioning right now, because everything's up in the air. I think a lot of bands, like a couple of years from now, when it's like time to do another record, and there's like, we need this on August fifteenth. You're gonna be like, man, <laughs> you know, like, well, I like, yeah. I like the way I like the way we did it back, you know, last time around because you got to do that. But um, I, I'm, but I'm also excited for all the music because, um, yeah, it's a different. It's gonna be different. It's gonna be. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just excited. I think a lot of great records are gonna come out in like 2021, and yeah, and honestly, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming out now, you know, and I, I wish, you know, if, if I were in charge of everything, you know, we would probably release a song or two or would, or maybe would have already released a song or two, um, you know, and then, you know, maybe rolls into a record or whatever. But, you know, this whole time that we're in has really, like, thrown everything up in the air as far as, you know, release schedules and how do you release a record and um, you know, what's the best way to go about recording and marketing and everything. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's an uncertain time, but it's also like a really inspiring time because, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people doing a lot of really impressive, creative stuff. Uh, and it's a lot of it is brought on by, you know, the fact that we're kind of forced to do it. And I think that in general, artists thrive in that area as a whole you know if you if you give an artist like a crazy limitation of some sort whether it's geographic or instrumental or uh monetary or uh time you know that's you know that's when like a lot of really good stuff can happen you know because there's the whole uh you know idea of like okay well if you give a film director like you know 500 million dollars and tell him he can do whatever he wants is it going to be a better movie than if you gave him $2 million and he was working closely with a producer, you know, it's a kind of like that, that same thing. Um, and all that to say, you know, I, I just think that there, there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out and, you know, whenever we are, uh, whenever we do decide to put the record out, I hope that we can be, uh, we can be as, uh, 
well received as I'm receiving a lot of stuff that's coming out now. Oh man, I've got little doubts. So I, I'm totally excited. One more time, dude. I got to tell everybody though, Chris. Lost in the sound of separation, guys. Make sure you're going to underoathobservatory.com if you haven't checked this out. Uh, it's it's excellent. It's definitely worth your guys' time. I love the fact that there's more observatory stuff that you guys are talking about because I think this is a real special what you guys are doing for us fans right now. So that's super cool. But let's just start at the beginning. And um, Lost in the Sound of Separation, guys, if you can, if you don't get the video download, make sure you check out the, the live performance. You can get that up on all the services as well. So with that, oh, great Friday the 13th interview. Obviously, I really appreciate that, Chris. I want to thank you so much, man, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Oh, of course, man. Thank you for doing it. I, uh, I had a good time as well.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. You guys heard two tracks off the live version of Lost in the Sound of Separation, guys. Once again, go to underoathobservatory.com. Make sure you're picking this up, guys. First track you heard, Desperate Times, Desperate Measures, live, and also Too Bright to See, Too Loud to Hear. Again, guys, if you haven't checked it out, Lost in the Sound of Separation, live from the observatory. Make sure you guys are picking that up. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews you keep giving our team on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast. We do our hardest never to miss a week. Even through all this pandemic, we've made it through. Even though I've been, I had to sit out one, Brandon has to sit out one now. Dude, it's it's hard getting hopefully, us in the yeah. Hopefully, too. Yeah, hopefully it stops. <laughs> we got we we're almost to the end of the year. We're all gonna right. make it. We're gonna make it. All right. Bloodied and bruised, but we're gonna make it. <laughs> we're gonna make it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> we made. We look it. like it's like we're at the middle of I spit on your grave, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but those five star reviews—that's all we ask for, guys. You guys are truly the best. Um, if you guys want to email us, rise to offend at gmail.com. I haven't checked my e- the emails for a couple months, but I'm gonna <laughs> make sure I check that up here, dude. <laughs> what the fuck? I only put. I only put. <laughs> Like I, I, virtually I just didn't expect you to say months at I the end of that. Like, like days or like. Oh, no, dude, it's been months now. I think the last time was September, and I was like, all right, like I, let, me just, let me just sit years. for a, a little bit, and then I'll respond to people. It's been there, a decade. There's, there's gonna, it's gonna take a couple hours for me to respond and do it. But I want, I want the emails. I love you guys. You guys are the That's best. That's the truth, though. Is that um, the reason it takes Pete so long to check the emails? He's he literally will talk to everyone. Yeah, he does I, I, I try to. He's yeah. a good guy. It's I, well, they're, they're, our listeners are great people. They so, are, and I know that they all, all the people email me they already gave us five star reviews and they're oh, the best so. bless her heart. and also want to thank everybody that's supporting our other podcast rise to offend our documentary podcast if you guys haven't heard it why don't you start on the episode cruising i highly <laughs> recommend it. highly highly recommend it's a good movie it. um but we we do any figure that has offen- uh, been offensive to society and we kind of talk about their story today we've done phil anselmo gg allen uh peter Steele, cruising silent night deadly night if you're into films um and so much more, man. We've almost done 100 episodes. Wendy O. Williams. South and Park. We've even done some dark shit, man. Steve, like some, some sad episodes. Yeah. that we've got, Like Steve Biko. We've done mm-hmm. a lot. We've even done people we hate, like Ann Coulter. But you know what? She's very offensive. We tackled it. So yep. the point is, guys, if you're interested in do- listening to a documentary podcast, we really put our, a lot of effort into that show as well. Make sure you guys are checking that out. And until next week, we will be here, my friends. And hopefully Brandon will too because – I swear you could have added some negativity to this conversation. Oh, you think? <laughs> was it, you was think, it too positive? You think Brandon? <laughs> well, not Brandon. Not Brandon. Not Brandon. <laughs> I know, dude. I, I, I would have loved to hear what he would have added to your pedophile project. <laughs> he would have been with me. Oh, you guys you guys would have been back and forth. Me and Sylvia would be like, when do I cut this? Yep. When do I cut this? When well, me and Pete would just like, look at each other. I'm like, all right. Yeah, well, he holds an annual pass to the pedophile farm, so we, he'd have a lot to say about it. I'm cutting that. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Absolutely not. Disneyland is not a pedophile farm. I'm sorry. Until next week, <laughs> our friends. Metal Sucks over and out. The Metal Sucks podcast is signing off.